Welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. I'm here today with Susie Roberts. Susie, welcome to Emotion Well. Thank you so welcome much, Welcome back. Joanna. Welcome back. So I want to share something very exciting. Susie is a recipient of the Iowa Academy's 2021 Emerging Dietetics Leader Award. This is a recognition of competence and activities of members who are at the beginning of their dietetics careers. Members receiving this honor support the promotion of optimal health and nutritional status of the public through leadership and legislation, research, education, management, and other areas related to the profession. So congratulations. Thank you so much, Johanna. I appreciate that. I was very honored to even be nominated for that award. Absolutely. Well, we are so honored to have you working alongside us at EFR. So for those of you listening, Susie's making her third appearance on Emotion Well. So a couple of fun facts. Fun fact number one, Susie was our very first guest, and I don't remember exactly when we recorded it. I think it was December of 19 or January of 2020, so we're talking pre-pandemic. We didn't even, I mean, I didn't have a clue at the time what was around the corner. (laughs) No. Um, And then also, fun fact, that very first episode is still our most listened to episode, so you hold that highest honor as well with well, thank EFR. Thank you. So, thank you. Uh, and then Susie works alongside EFR, so she provides services to some of our clients that have our expanded wellness benefits. So it's always great to have you on, and we are celebrating National Nutrition Month. And so I just have so many questions, and I, I feel like this conversation is going to be very, very rich. Do you want to tell us a little bit about National Nutrition Month? I sure do. Um, So National Nutritional Month has been around since 1973, and it's sponsored through our national body of uh, dietitians and um, nutrition experts. And it is where they set aside the month of March to basically help people focus on all things nutrition. And this year, our emphasis is on celebrate a world of flavors. And our goal is to help individuals embrace global cultures, cuisines, and inclusion, uh, plus showcasing the expertise of registered dietitian nutritionists. Excellent. And speaking of registered dietitian nutritionists, these are the true food and nutrition experts. So you are the individuals who are truly qualified to help people make the best choices when it comes to eating healthy. And so let's talk a little bit about nutrition experts uh, because there are a lot of people that can say that you know as a wellness professional I've always said you know I have the education and I have a lot of work experience so I you know I feel like I'm credible and qualified and I can go out and say that I have wellness expertise but I also feel like there are people who are part of multi-level marketing companies who tout themselves as wellness experts because you know, they want you to jump on the latest bandwagon or whatever they're selling. Mm-hmm. So I think our field, and when I say our field, I'm saying very broadly the the field of health and wellness, where, you know, wellness professionals uh, like like myself, we, we reside under that umbrella and registered and licensed dietitians would too. I just feel like there's a lot of fraudulent uh, promotion and you have to be really savvy as a consumer. So 
Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Where are people starting to turn for their sources of information when it comes to healthy eating, um, nutrition, supplements? What What is the industry data showing us? Well, it's really interesting and pretty eye-opening um, where people are getting their nutrition information has drastically changed from way back in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, you know, back at, at that time, your mother or your grandmother, your family mm-hmm. was your source of nutrition. And, and we were always sitting around the dinner table. We ate fruits and vegetables, um, you know, protein, dairy, etc. And then over time, it's evolved. Um, in the 70s and 80s, there was more nutrition-related scientific studies being done. We were looking at heart uh, conditions, cholesterol, uh, the obesity, uh, epidemic was starting to increase mm-hmm. a little more rapidly at that time. Uh, so the scientists were the nutrition experts, or public health were the uh, nutrition experts. And then um, in the 2000s, it was entering more of the uh, the social media type of world with Dr. Oz mm-hmm. and Oprah. Yeah, uh, They were really getting uh, more and more into that space. I mean, we all probably remember when Oprah was uh, attempting to lose some sure. body weight and she was quite successful in her quest and pulled out a wagon with, um, oh. a, a, it was about 60 pounds or so I, of, I of yes, that. how much uh, weight she had lost. That. Exactly. And then as the internet has become just more and more, um, you know, everywhere and at everyone's fingertips, uh, then now the nutrition experts, and I'm saying that in air quotes, uh, people are getting a lot of their information from Facebook. Mm-hmm. They're getting it from Instagram. They're getting it from TikTok. As a matter of fact, uh, there was a survey done by Today's Dietitian. They do an annual survey of um, registered dietitians to see you know, what's going on and what's popular out there um, in the United States. And I just learned that TikTok has made the list as being one of the um, places where people go to get nutrition expertise. Wow. Yeah, so things have certainly changed. I, you know, years ago, this was probably 10 years ago now, I started a Pinterest board where I would, you know, kind of pin all of my favorite recipes. And at the time I wasn't, and I still, honestly, I still use it because I think it's a nice way to organize my digital recipe collection. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the time I was still doing some of my own legwork when it came to, you know, um, which oil is healthier or... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, which sources of protein should I be cooking with? But now, I and a lot has changed just in 10 years because that's about when I started pinning things to Pinterest. But mm-hmm. now it is, you're right, it's like the, the TikToks and the social media influencers and the people that, again, um, and I don't have any examples, but there are a lot of people that claim to be medical advisors, mm-hmm. nutrition advisors, health experts, but are they? And mm-hmm. so that's why it's really nice when you can pair up with a registered licensed dietitian because can you just remind our listeners what kind of educational process do you go through? Absolutely, Johanna. Um, so a to become a registered dietitian, it's a very science 
based approach. We um, earn a four-year dietetics degree, which is very heavily science-based, um, but we also have exposure to uh, public health, community health, um, cooking, etc., education. So we have our four-year degree. We also are required to complete a 1,200-hour uh, internship, and that is where we um, we can go anywhere in the nation where we get accepted and it's uh, a program of so many weeks of what we call medical nutrition therapy which is very clinical based so that gets people ready to work in an outpatient setting mm -hmm. or a clinic setting or an inpatient setting uh, we also do community and school uh, nutrition rotations as well and um, after that we have to take a national exam so to earn that credential and and then to become licensed is uh, there, it's quite challenging, um, but it also makes sure that when you or your family member or your loved one has a, a nutrition-related need or concern, when they're speaking to a registered and licensed dietitian, they are truly speaking to an expert sure. on that. And I even have an example here to share. Just uh, in early February, uh, the state of Texas, so the Texas Attorney General, um, actually brought a lawsuit against a social influencer, um, a young gal who is a personal trainer, and she was also selling diet plans to help individuals lose weight. And unfortunately, she really kind of stepped over that line, mm -hmm. that professional line of where her expertise truly was. And uh, she evidently has caused uh, some significant harm to about 4,600 people, wow. 4,600 individuals. So it's really um, something to be careful of when you're seeking out nutrition to really make sure you're um, evaluating the credibility of your source mm -hmm. and, um, you know, for sure, checking with your doctor, especially if you're wanting to change your, your diet or if you're wanting to add some nutritional supplements to your diet, it's always a good idea to run that by your primary care physician. Absolutely. So when, when we kicked off the conversation, I mentioned that you were our very first guest and that was pre-pandemic. So let's talk about the pandemic a little bit. So now, you know, it's March of 2022. So now I guess this is technically entering year three of the yes. pandemic. And so just from both what you are following uh, with, you know, with the uh, publications that, you know, your sources of information as it relates to your industry. So what you're seeing there being reported and then also with the individuals you're consulting with. So what are some of the trends that the pandemic has brought forth as it relates to our eating habits? One of the big ones is people are wanting to essentially get more nutrition bang for their, their buck. They're wanting uh, to know what foods are good for their immunity, what supports their yeah. immunity. And that could be a lot of things like uh, uh, kefir or yogurts or fruits and vegetables with uh, vitamin C and, and E, for example. Um, those are, are key. So people are really interested in immune support. Okay. What can I do to keep myself as healthy proactively as possible? The other big trend that's been changing is that you know, in the past, uh, a lot of people were in the three meal a day type of um, eating pattern. Uh -huh. And now what we're seeing, you know, as a dietitian, we're seeing where people are eating smaller meals, 
um, and they're eating, they're snacking more continually. Uh, for example, I went down the grocery store aisle the other day and there was literally a whole row and five shelves deep of uh, protein cookies, uh, mm -hmm. protein snack bars, uh, you know, energy bars, boost your immune support. You could just see all sorts of what I call marketing on the front packaging of various, uh, like I said, bars, cookies, etc., snack mixes for uh, you know people to be aware of some of the, the better qualities that were included yeah. in those items. Yeah, snacking is definitely something that I'm doing a little bit more of on mm -hmm. the days when I work from home. So I'm in yes. a hybrid work model now where I'm in the office two to three days a week at home the other days. And when you're working out of your kitchen, because I, mm -hmm. I work at the island, at, I'm looking at the refrigerator. <laughs> and yes. yeah, and you know, when I when I think back to the first months of the pandemic, when I was working from home, you know, half of March, April, May, June, and then I eased back into it in July of 2020. But I remember thinking, oh, one of the things I could have done differently in hindsight is I could have still packed my lunch each day for yes. work, even though I was, you know, working from mm -hmm. home. And at the time I was working from home with, she was three, she had just turned three. And that was a whole other thing because I was trying to focus on work and then I had a three-year-old and sometimes the only way to get her to kind of stop bothering me was unfortunately screen time <laughs> yes, and yes. a snack. Mm -hmm. And then I started to think about, oh, what am I setting her up for? I'm setting her up for mm -hmm. boredom eating. I'm setting her up for ritual eating where you see a screen, you want to have food. Right. And so, you know, that was an eye-opener for me. And uh, I think, yeah, I... I've always been a snacker, but I also like to have three meals a day. I love, I love breakfast. I need lunch. Mm -hmm. I like dinner. Um, let's talk about breakfast for a moment and sure. a little bit about intermittent fasting because I know that's another trend. Mm -hmm. And growing up, I was always told breakfast was your most important meal of the day. If you don't have breakfast, it's like running a car on empty. You're running mm -hmm. on the fumes from you know your prior day's meal. And as a kid, I, I still know that Breakfast is essential. Yes. You know, growing bodies and brains need some kind of fuel first thing in the morning. Yes, absolutely. But what about adults? What if an adult wakes up and they're not feeling hungry? Mm -hmm. um, and this kind of goes along with my question about intermittent fasting because I know some individuals who do it and they, you know, fast for maybe 16 hours a day and so mm -hmm. they don't have their first meal until mid to late morning. So tell us about breakfast and then intermittent fasting. Okay. So from a, a breakfast perspective, uh, probably up till 10 years ago or so, the thought process was that it was the best to break that fast, mm -hmm. for, and I'm talking about adults, to break that fast and to have a well-balanced uh, breakfast, such as something with protein, such as eggs or uh, lean meats and carbohydrates some fruit in your dairy. Um, but anymore, there's been kind of a shift in our in our eating culture, Johanna, and I'm very proud to say that I'm glad that the dietitian community is um, in this. I think it's directing it, but our goal is to really help people um, get back in tune with listening to their bodies, mm -hmm. to identify those hunger cues and listen to those instead of 
oh, it's seven o'clock. I need to eat my breakfast. Oh, it's noon. Right. I need to take my, have my lunch now. Right. Um, so to answer your question specifically, um, when I talk with people, especially those people who might be wanting to, um, you know, a, adjust or um, lose a little bit of weight or they're concerned about their cholesterol, et cetera, and they, they say to me, I'm just not hungry in the morning, um, we are telling people that that's okay. It's okay to listen to your body. And when you're hungry, to go ahead and have that first meal. And that can be your breakfast. Some people I know have their breakfast at 11. Right. They might have their lunch at 3. Um, as long as you're having, uh, it's, it's ideal to aim for 3 to 4-ish hours in between those meals, like you had mentioned, mm -hmm. the three meals per day. Um, and then how that ties into intermittent fasting is, so with intermittent fasting, uh, there is evidence out there that does suggest that that uh, is a, a plausible uh, way to safely uh, and slowly lose weight. Um, and what I like about that is it literally closes the window when a person is um, feeding or eating. So, for example, you had mentioned um, a 16-8 intermittent fasting uh -huh. schedule. What that means is the individual is essentially fasting for 16 hours, and quite a bit of that would be when they're sleeping during the night. Um, and then they're eating only during an eight-hour window of time. So, for example, for that person who doesn't feel hungry first thing in the morning, maybe they start having their first meal at 10, and then uh, they would have their last meal by 6 p.m. in the evening. And then that would be it as far as food intake. Um, and so what that does is help your body, um, you know, essentially burn through the fuel that you've eaten throughout the day. Sure. But I also think there might be an aspect there, Johanna, of, you know, it's kind of a mindset, too, where, okay, I've got that hard stop uh -huh. at 6 p.m., I think that there's probably some, uh, some in there where, you know, it probably um, helps people not snack after dinner or snack not snack before they go to bed. Sure. So I think there's some of that in there, but there is science as well that does mention if we shorten our window a little bit that that can help uh, be a, a, a fuel burner yeah. um, situation. Uh, one thing I do sometimes just to minimize my evening snacking as I brush my teeth you yes. know shortly after you know dinner and whatever I might have for a small snack after that and then when my daughter is brushing her teeth because her bedtime is earlier than mine mm -hmm. uh, when she brushes her teeth then I brush mine and now it doesn't always work out that I brush my teeth and I'm completely done but I also yes. listen to my body because I notice on days when I go to the YMCA and do a really hard workout over my lunch break yes. sometimes at 8 30 9 o'clock I'm a little bit hungry and right. so I allow myself to eat something yes um there was something I think Michael Pollan might have referenced this I don't know if he's the originator of the saying but breakfast like a king lunch like a prince dinner like a pauper basically mm -hmm. your biggest meal should be breakfast followed by lunch and then your smallest meal should be dinner is that true I mean should people kind of taper off the quantity of food as the day goes on or is that just something someone made up and now we're all following yeah misinformation well, well um i would say that it probably works for you know a good number of the population but i wouldn't necessarily count it as a, a hard and fast rule okay. to follow 
It really depends on the person's situation, I think, how active they are and, you know, how hungry they feel as well. Because the main thing is, I think when people are, you know, they're being more aware about what they are eating, it's really important not to go too far between eating or feedings. Yeah. Because when we get to that uh I'm starving or I'm hangry uh-huh. type of situation. <laughs> it's really easy to truly overdo it and eat more than what you truly yeah. need to. So, and never a good idea to go grocery shopping when you're hungry. No, right? no, that is a that is a pretty um, good common sense thing yeah. as well, and to have a list. Yes, too. yes. All right, let's shift into this new year, 2022. What are some of the trends for this year as it relates? to superfoods or, you know, trending topics in the world of dietetics? Yes. So when it comes to superfoods, um, you know, and these are, are um, it, it's a popular way to, I think, draw attention to certain um, foods or types of foods, and it can even kind of pull in supplements. So, for example, I just saw a commercial the other day for, um, a product, I think it's called Athletic Greens. Well, of oh, course, it's... yes. I hear yes. them advertised on some podcasts I listen to. Yes. And so there's vegetables, a multitude of green leafy vegetables in there. And so um, when we think about the, the superfoods for 2022, again, we're going to focus on our immunity, Johanna. And so some of the top things for that are blueberries And blueberries, we kind of get a multiple bang for the buck there because blueberries are also one of the best things we can consume for our brain health as well. Um, But seeds like chia, chia seeds or flax seed or even hemp seed, hemp is fairly new to the market. Uh, Those are good because they have omega-3s in them. Um, Fruits. Um, avocados because they have healthy protein or excuse me healthy fats in them the uh, monounsaturated fat is um, very good for helping um, with cholesterol and heart related concerns nuts are also considered on the uh, superfoods list nuts have um, uh, good protein in them they have minerals in them plus they have um, in their fat content, the higher fat um, are the healthier fats, which are mono and polyunsaturated fats. So let's talk about nuts for a moment, because I think a lot of people might hear nuts are healthy. And so they go to Target or Hy-Vee or Walmart, and they're in the nut aisle, and, you know, they see, oh, well, this looks good, but it might be honey roasted peanuts, Mm -hmm. or it might be um, you know, an almond that has some kind of flavoring or mm-hmm. a cashew that's salted. So should we be going for the naked nuts? You know, no, <laughs> I just made that up. Uh, the, you know, no added salts or flavors or sugars. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that when we say nuts are healthy, right. are you talking about walnuts that don't have any, anything on them? Not candied walnuts, right? right? Even right. though they're delicious in yes, a salad. But exactly. Well, and so when I talk to people about nutrition, Johanna, I like to discuss the concept of good, better, best. Okay. And so when we think about nuts on that spectrum of good, better, best, um, you know, really any nuts would fall into the good category. And I will say that we do have to watch um, how much or how many we're eating because... Mm -hmm. 
Um, nuts are very nutrient dense, so the calories can really add up. Plus, they're small and crunchy, and if you're not, you know, really watching it or portioning them out, it's really easy to um, overeat on them. But, and so better would be unsalted, you know, no sugars added, no honey roasted, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so the naked nuts, I, they would probably <laughs> be, you know, up at the tops, uh, right. the best aspect. Right. But still, I give people credit for yeah, the other kinds absolutely. as well. I mean, the, the good is going to be better than a bag of chips or, you know, absolutely. something that's, yeah, highly processed. Yes, Thank you for letting mm-hmm. me interrupt there. Yeah. No, you're very welcome. <gasps> what so. do people do with some of the seeds? Flaxseed, chia seed, hemp seed. I think that's another thing. You know, people hear that it's healthy, but they're also like, well, what do I do with this? Yes. How do I make it taste yes. good? Well, the nice thing um, is that with um, the options that we have, uh, for example, I know in um, I've seen some of the flaxseed chia seeds, hemp seeds, I've seen them at any of our local grocery stores, you know, here um, in our community. And the nice thing is they really don't have much of a taste per se. Um, So for example, with flax seed, um, this, you would want to um, either purchase it ground or milled flax seed um, versus in the whole uh, form because it's easier for our systems to digest. Um, Again, you can buy it either way. I happen to buy mine uh, milled because then I just literally sprinkle it on anything. So when you asked what can it go on, things that I've put it in is overnight oats, for example. It's delicious, you can't even taste it. Sprinkle it on a salad. Um, If I'm having like a chicken breast and some vegetables on the side, you can even sprinkle it on the chicken breast. Um, It's really does not have much taste at all. Um, With chia seeds, chia, um, they're the round black ones, and they are really good in, uh, for example, overnight oats, because that will help um, overnight when with your milk or your kefir that you put in there as well that will help uh, they'll absorb uh, that liquid and um, really kind of softens their yeah. their um, taste as well I used to make chia seed pudding but now I'm just yes. thinking about it but I would use almond milk mm-hmm. and chia seeds and I don't remember the ratio but yes and then I might even drop a little like vanilla extract or something into uh-huh. it just to give it a little flavor boost and mm-hmm. that was so good or sometimes I would put cocoa powder in it mm-hmm. uh, but yeah that was really good too so thank you I think it's just good to not only hear what is healthy and trending but also hear how people can make the best choices around those different items and also how they can use things that might seem foreign to them yes right and yes so another thing too that I know that people it's pretty popular anymore and um, I saw some of this uh, when I was recently on TikTok checking out some of the healthy <laughs> video, healthy nutrition things that were going healthy, on there. Healthy, is that air quotes healthy? Yeah, healthy, <laughs> yes, air quotes. Um, I'll have to do further research there, Johanna. Yes, yes. Um, but smoothies are another truly great place yeah. um, to put in a tablespoon or two That's of flaxseed, flax chia seed. seeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other benefit with them is that uh, they are a great way that if if you have uh, elevated cholesterol in your family, for example, uh, they are a very healthy, um, quick, easy uh, thing to add to what you're already eating, and it it um, definitely can help to lower cholesterol too. Yeah. 
Well, good. Well, thank you. Are most fiber, high fiber foods cholesterol? Friends to cholesterol. Like, yes, they because are. oatmeal and cheer. I mean Cheerios. That was probably just a big marketing campaign. But you know, Cheerios always has that little heart on the box. They do. Yeah. So speaking of that, so um, with some of the packages that you would see where there is the heart healthy logo, uh-huh. that is from the American Heart Association, and those foods do have to meet uh, some requirements. Okay. So yep. so there is um, so much fiber sure. um, per serving. And made with whole grains, so they technically do fall into that range. And so you asked about fiber. When I um, talk with individuals about their nutrition, Johanna, I talk about their nutrition friends. And the first one is fiber. Fiber is their friend, and we get fiber from uh, grains as well as fruits and vegetables. And that can go a long way towards helping us to feel fuller longer, Mm -hmm. feel more satisfied. Um, But fiber also is uh, known. Um, There is evidence that supports that it can help reduce cholesterol as well. So that's, again, a great, great reason to make sure we're having enough uh, vegetables and some yeah. fruit in our throughout our day. And I've always heard, uh, I think I heard this from my primary care physician, if you're doing a lot of fiber, you have to drink a lot of water yes. for your digestive health. And yes, so, exactly. Um, and I think water is something that's just as critical. I mean, I'm sure that's one of your friends too, it is. is water, yes. you know, um, because... Yeah. I've, I've heard that oftentimes when we feel hungry, we're actually dehydrated and yes, have that's a glass very of water true. or keep a water bottle with you. And that will help you gauge how hungry you are when you are eating. It'll help you determine how satisfied you are. Exactly. So. And it helps keep things moving through the system um, appropriately as well. So those other fiber, or excuse me, other nutrition friends, just to finish my little list there, it's, it's fiber, water, and protein. Okay. Yes, and healthy fats. So those are good things for people to uh, make sure they have in their diets. I've noticed kind of what you had mentioned earlier that you can go to a supermarket and there will be an aisle full Mm -hmm. of bars and protein powders and protein pancakes and you know whether you're in I guess it could be in the frozen section because I've seen protein pancakes in the frozen section. I've seen a lot of different um, mixes in the in the aisles you know just what do you think about a lot of these prepackaged foods that are touting you know great source of protein um, is there something else that we need to be kind of mindful of as we're shopping for those bars and mm-hmm. and protein supplements yes so the thing the thing for we the consumer to th- keep in mind is that when we're looking at the packages that we see on the grocery shelves, we really are seeing marketing, right? That's, we are totally being marketed to in that setting. Um, So when we think about that, you you ask a great question, because I'm going to, again, apply that good, better, best Uh type of approach. Um, So if an individual sees, you know, some uh, pancakes, like you had mentioned, they're they're pre-made, they're frozen, Um, there are uh, good and then there are better versions Mm -hmm. in there. So, for example, you could look at that frozen package of waffles or pancakes and are... Are there any whole grains in there? How much added sugar in there? How much protein? Uh, you know, compare uh, that with, you know, a couple choices that you're looking at. Um, because there can be more added sugar in a pre-made, 
process type of deal but uh, food but we also have to be realistic Um, you know I know that people live in the real world Uh they have children they have jobs they're going here and there Uh, a lot of people are even having to do some caretaking for their parents right so time is a very uh, precious commodity and so when we're trying to make some of those food related choices I, I encourage people to again flip over to that nutrition label and aim for or so try to select foods that are a little higher in protein, um, less in sodium, less in the sugars, and you know go from there. I love how the label now has the sugars broken into yes. total and then added sugars. I think that happened maybe in 2018 or 2019. Mm-hmm. But that's really helpful for me. I was just at the grocery store uh, over the weekend, and Audrey is into yogurt. She likes uh-huh. yogurt. She gets some yogurt at school. Um, I don't. I'm not sure of the brand, but mm-hmm. you know, she wants blueberry yogurt. So I said, "Okay, oh, hey, we can look into this." So I, uh-huh. I haven't purchased you know single serving yogurt cups mm-hmm. in a long time because I go for the tub of plain Greek yogurt, <laughs> and then I add yes. you know I use it for overnight oats, or I add my own fruit or honey yes. or whatever to it. So. Uh, I was looking and it's you really do have to be mindful because yes. there were so many options. Right. And, you know, some of the ones that were touting um, two grams of sugar, you know, you look at it and you see that it has some kind of artificial sweetener in it. Yes. It's like, well, for me, I don't want that for, right. my, for my family. Um, so I was able to find a Greek yogurt that had... Um, some sugar in it, but only one added yes. sugar because, of course, it's going to have some natural sugar from right. the dairy. Um, and it was one of those Greek with, you know, the little blueberries on the bottom and you yes. stir it up. And um, my options range from 26 grams of sugar, you know, for the for an eight ounce cup right. to, or maybe it was four ounces. Yeah, probably four ounces. It was like 26 grams of sugar, 13 grams of sugar. <laughs> and what I landed on was something that had maybe seven grams of sugar. One was added. Yes. And I was like, okay, well, hey, I'm fine with that. But if you're yeah. not careful... You could be taking something that could be healthy, like a yogurt, yes. and really, t- I mean, that's 26 grams of sugar in a yogurt it is, like, in my opinion, giving, you know, someone candy for breakfast. It is a little on the high so, side, right? especially when you're looking at the quantity, if it was yes. only four or five ounces. Absolutely. Exactly. exactly. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about yogurt, because I'm curious about things like probiotics, uh-huh. and I know yogurt is a source of that, yes. but you told me when we were prepping that there's more yes. than probiotics, so yes. enlighten us. All right, well, so along the spectrum of yogurts, yogurt has really been heavily marketed, and it's something that we as consumers now, we've, we know it's true, we, or we know it's healthy, we believe it's healthy, and when we see that whole sea of options out there, there's a lot of choices to be made. Um, with that being said, there, so there's plain yogurt, there's Greek yogurt, there's flavored yogurts in both of those segments. And so it really takes almost a savvy consumer to de- dig through and read those labels. So I commend you for the time that you took with your daughter in tow there to try and find a healthy version. Um, But the big draw with yogurt is that it has probiotics. And probiotics have been getting more and more press because uh, the scientists have been doing a lot more research on our microbiome. uh, And that is, when we're talking about microbiome, we're talking about our our gut flora, our gut bacteria. Uh, We have 
um, over a trillion uh, bacteria in our digestive tract, which is can be a little freaky when you think about it. But um, bacteria are our friend. They are helping to break down the foods that we consume uh, in our system. And so when we're talking about that uh, pro, uh, probiotic, that is, and when you look at some of your labels, and even kefir is another one here, um, you'll see the words live and active mm -hmm. probiotics. And so uh, what that means is that there is bacteria in there, healthy bacteria. And um, it is, for example, when I open up my, my kefir uh, to make my overnight oats, um, you, you need to shake it up and everything. But before you do that, you can see that there's kind of some liquid sitting on uh -huh. top of it, just like in my Greek yogurt. Yeah. Uh, same thing. It's because of the um, activity of the bacteria from the last time that you had your container open. And so, um, again, that's it's a good thing, though, as they help to feed the bacteria that are in our system. Um, so when you and I were talking, um, I mentioned, well, Johanna, there are prebiotics, there are probiotics, and most recently, <laughs> I've read about postbiotics. Yeah, I've never heard of those until last Friday. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so with um, prebiotics, so now the consumer is probably hearing we should feed our, uh, we should feed our probiotics with prebiotics. Well, right there, that gets a little bit confusing. Yeah. But the, the, I think the really excellent thing for people to keep in mind is that we can have a healthy digestive system um, by eating a nice balance of foods. Um, and so just by eating uh, things like bananas, onions, garlic, or asparagus, uh, beans, these are very common and healthy food items that have prebiotics in them. So when you have that banana for breakfast, you're actually eating some prebiotics. And what a prebiotic is, it's um, fiber and resistant starches. So it's just part of the natural food. And then that feeds the beneficial bacteria in your gut. Um, so when we're eating prebiotics and some probiotics from our yogurt or our kefir, um, again, that can help our digestive um, process move smoothly along. Now, where the, the postbiotics come into um, place is they are produced from the activity of the um, bacteria in our gut. And they help us to um, reduce inflammation. They help to promote regular bowel movements. They can also improve our immune system as well. So it's, it's a good combination of um, uh, healthy, healthy um, bacteria in our yeah. system. So it's like a team. They all work together. Yes, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. And I think, you know, with prebiotics, when you're mentioning it's bananas, it's asparagus, mm -hmm. onions, beans, that kind of goes back to the, you know, eat food from yes. plants. Yes. Uh, eat food, you know, as close to its natural source as possible because, you know, and a lot of people think, oh, five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Well, mm -hmm. if th this would be kind of be my approach. Okay. If, if that's 
something that you're going to focus on, you're going to then naturally get your fiber. Yes. <laughs> you're going to naturally get some of these prebiotics. Exactly. You're going to naturally have some foods that are going to be more filling but lower in calories. Yes. And so, you know, I think sometimes people get overwhelmed by, oh, so I need fruits and vegetables and prebiotics and fiber. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. They're all, you know, in this case, a banana is going to be a fruit. Mm-hmm. has fiber and it's a prebiotic or exactly. beans can be a good source of protein and it's a prebiotic. So I think you really have to just uh, simplify it for yeah. people. And I think it gets really complicated, especially when there is so much information and some of it isn't good information. Absolutely. So this was really fascinating. One question I have before we sign off is you mentioned that um, – it's important to shop with a grocery list. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I read is that online shopping is here to stay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I've done online grocery shopping a few times mm-hmm. uh, with delivery. Very nice for when you're quarantined. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, now I'm thinking I don't believe I used a list either time I did online shopping. But I always take a list to the grocery store mm-hmm. when I'm shopping in person. So for people who are online shopping... Do you recommend that they still write out a list or do you think that it's okay for them to rely on, you know, your previously ordered items? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you are shopping at the same place over and over, it's going to, at least from my experience, you know, it saves, do you want to order this again? But should we still write a list if we're doing online shopping? Well, I think it would be helpful. I don't think it's probably as needed as when you're going to the grocery store in person. The other thing I like about online shopping is you're right there in your home and you can uh, check your pantry to see if you have it. I can't tell you when I was uh, earlier, I, every um, January, one of the things I like to do is a pantry purge (laughs) and go through and just make sure that things are, are not expired and and that kind of thing. Well, I literally had about six or seven bags of almonds in there because every time I go to the store, I think to myself, Oh, I'll go ahead and grab one. We're probably low. Or they're on sale. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I do think that, um, you know, on whether people shop online, which is definitely here to stay, um, or in person, lists can be handy, or a note in your phone, whatever works for you um, is ideal. Yeah. Well, this was such an interesting and rich conversation, and I'm excited to share that we're continuing the conversation uh, every week in March to recognize National Nutrition Month. We are doing a short video on our social media platform. So look for that. It's Ask the Dietitian. And we're going to be asking Susie different questions uh, that we haven't covered in in today's podcast. So please follow EFR on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. We will include links to our social media platform in the show notes. So please join us in March. I think we'll do Wellness Wednesdays. So Wellness Wednesdays in March. Thank you so much for your time, Susie. You're welcome. And I'm excited for Wellness Wednesdays. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to Emotion Well. Please subscribe to us and don't forget to rate us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunleavy and produced by Emily Wonkong.